you know when you cross over? It does not appear to occur. Are you aware of the moment things change? When you're on the other side of the Motley Meridian, can you ever go back? Do you know the good years when you're in them, or you just wait for them? This is Motley Medley's, an exploration of the horrors of everyday life. I'm Palatable Pete, the host who just really wants to make postcards. Palatable Pete's Postcards, Palatable Pete's Postal Products, Palatable Pete's Perfectly Pleasant Stationery Shop. I don't know, they all have a nice ring. And this is Motley Medley's, the podcast that likes all things postage. Stamp designing would be cool too, or making book covers. That's unrelated, but it would be fun. I don't know, it just seems like a peaceful, pleasant life as opposed to the life of a podcaster. Stay tuned, my merciful Motley Marauders. This is going to happen one day. But first, on this episode of Motley Medley's, we recap what happened in the aftermath of last episode, The Doppelganger. Because you see, this episode was originally supposed to occur before the doppelganger. The doppelganger was never supposed to happen, but because of what I'm about to play for you, we ended up in the previous episode. Do you follow? It's like a time loop or a snake eating its own tail, I suppose. So. I'm gonna play for you a section of what was supposed to be last episode, this episode, and then I'll explain further. Okay, so this is a portion of the story of Alison Updike, the astrological astrologer, which led us to our current post-existential predicament, post-doppelganger, and pre-doppelganger, as you will soon see, so continue to bear with me. I'm Palatable Pete. The host who only got into this business because he thought it would be easy. He just wanted to play music on the radio because he's lazy. But instead, he's found himself uncovering human and scientific mysteries week after week after week, and it's exhausting. And this is Motley Medley's, the podcast that's been called the most important of its generation, quite possibly the most important of all time. Lots of people are saying it. I can't tell you who, but lots of people are saying it. You can live the dream and become one of those people. Follow us on Instagram at Motley Medleys. Become a card-carrying Motley Marauder. 
On this installment of Motley Medley's, we learn what happens when a person takes on the establishment. One woman challenged the status quo, and the repercussions echoed across the internet, and possibly the universe itself. Throughout the course of human history, technological and scientific discoveries have rocked society to its core. When a deeply held fundamental belief is upended, people don't necessarily say thanks. There is anger, mistrust, righteous indignation, and slowly, over time, what was once incomprehensible or unimaginable becomes part of the collective consciousness. So far, that hasn't happened for Allison Updike. Idiots. You're all idiots. Listen to the words that I'm saying. Everything you thought you knew about astrology is wrong. Nobody ever factored black holes into the mix. Allison Updike does have a doctorate. One of my Nobel laureate contributors was a roommate at MIT, but Allison certainly doesn't have bedside manner because she's not that kind of doctor. Of course I'm smarter than you. I got a degree from MIT, a doctorate in early star cluster formations. What the fuck do you know about stars? You came here for a reading. I'm giving you a reading. Just because I'm telling you that you're not actually a Virgo isn't a reason to get short with me. Well, good. Fuck you. I'm never going to read for you again. You're never going to find love with that attitude. Well, actually, that's not true. In 2025, you're going to come out of a very tumultuous relationship right on the winter solstice. And when Mercury goes into retrograde in 2026, you're gonna find the love of your life. I wish I could prevent it, but I can't. It's written in the stars. Allison's journey from astrophysicist to astrologer was documented by her in her 2016 autobiography, The Astrological Astrologist. Her transition to astrology read something like a superhero origin story. One evening, while reheating leftovers, she opened the microwave door, which usually stops the microwave from microwaving, but it didn't this time, and she swore or she was blasted so hard with radiation that she was flung across the kitchen and knocked unconscious. When she awoke, she was confused by this mysterious hum that was not emanating from her ears like tinnitus, but trapped deep within her skull. After doing lab tests on herself and many sleepless nights staring and sometimes screaming at the sky, she realized that she was now picking up on the gravitational waves caused by X. XLM 5053-C, a black hole. It was at this moment she realized because of gravitational lensing, she might not have actually been born on the cusp after all. I always felt I had problems getting along with people and problems with decision making and 
Well, pretty much all of my problems in life, I thought, were due to the fact that I was born on the cusp and didn't know exactly whether I was an Aries or a Taurus. This is a clip from Constellation Consternation with Allison Updike, her short-lived radio show. So when I began picking up the frequency of XLM 5053-C, I realized that none of the location of the stars meant anything. It doesn't matter where we view them from Earth. That has nothing to do with where they actually are because of gravitational lensing. Look at the origins of astrology. You have some dipshit in, you know, the dark ages looking through a telescope, and he might be seeing the same exact star four times. The maps are faulty. So I decided I had to tell everybody that they've been living a lie, and if they want to know the truth about what is in their future... They have to talk to me. Most days on Constellation Consternation, people would call in, tell Allison their birthday, and she would tell them that they're not really a Libra or they're not really a Sagittarius as they thought they were their entire lives. And then she'd tell them why. And now we have Martin calling in from Denver. Hi, Martin. Tell me your birthday and ask me anything you'd like. Hi, Allison. First time caller here. I was born on August 8th. I am a very proud Leo, but I'm afraid I've fallen on some hard times. You see, my son got a really, really bad cancer diagnosis. Martin, let, 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 let me just stop you there. If he's going to be Martin, okay. Before you go any further, you're not really a Leo. There's actually no such zodiac sign called a Leo. Um, what were once thought of as Leos are actually Zynoclins. You see. What are you talking about? Martin. Martin, shut up, please. Well, I'm you, trying well, to explain something. Are you joking? Martin, I'm trying to explain something to you, that your whole life has been a lie, essentially. Um, this confidence and pride you feel is just a mask. Zynoclins are prone to pity parties, and they feel their best when they are sitting in shit. So, deep down, I'd say you're actually pretty happy about your son's awful diagnosis, since it will get you the sympathy Zynoclins so desire. You dumb fucking bitch! How dare you! How fucking dare you! I, I'm hanging well, up! that was an unnecessary temper tantrum. Typical Zydeclin and a typical sign of somebody with a low IQ. As you can see, it didn't often go over well, but it was on this radio show where things would take a dramatic turn for Allison. On the morning of January 19th, 2018, Allison Updike's show was going along just like any other day, bickering with callers about which stars were even still in existence and which were long dead, and giving eerily specific predictions about people's futures. In 2036, your father's 
PSA levels will normalize again and his prostate will stop being an issue, but because things can never seem to go quite right all at once, most likely because of entropy and the ever-increasing disorder of particles, he will begin experiencing hallucinations in which demons are telling him to buy guns and not to trust the people he loves the most. So if I were you, I would be very, very far from your dad in 2036. Maybe you can even get him locked up before then, but that probably won't help as this is what's already been written in the stars. But then something strange happened. You see, in radio, calls are screened. People's names and locations are collected and fed to the hosts digitally nowadays. But as Allison took the call you're about to hear, there seemed to be some sort of electrical malfunction. And that's when things took a turn. What in the world? I... What... Just happened? For for those of you listening at home, which I suppose is all of you, the studio has gone dark, but the power is still on. My board is working. So... As they say, the show will go on. I think they say the show must go on. But that is very strange. Okay, okay. Um, so next, we have on the line... Well, actually, I'll just put you through. Go ahead, I can't be calling. Gosh, I don't understand what's happening. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay, good. I've been trying to reach you for so long, and I was worried something might be going wrong. You sound so familiar. I do? That voice. It's like the voice of an angel. Well, I'm not an angel. I'm just... Peggy Mayweather, even though I do have a pretty hot bod for a bigger girl. Peggy? No. Yes. No, 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 no. I saw you. I saw you in a dream. But we've never met. You. You're the dark star. Huh? The ringing in my head, it's gone away. It it hasn't stopped in years. Oh, that's great. Does that mean I can ask my question? You're the one. You're the one controlling it. Controlling what? I can barely control my own life. Are you okay, Allison? Or do you prefer I call you Mrs. Updike? What? How did... How do you know my name? None of the screens are working. It's your show. I called in. You're kind of a big deal in my world. You're like the biggest minor celebrity of astrology. I've read your book six times. What numerical significance does six have to you? None. How about you? I... My... My head is... So clear, it's 
like my thoughts have just floated away. They, they're just electrical charges, you know, thoughts. Of course you know that. You're the dark star, and you've come for me. I mean, if you want to hang out, I would totally be down. That would be a lot of fun. We could get a cup of coffee or something. But really, I just called to ask a question. I'm just curious about the future, same as anyone else. I've lived an okay life. Well, now, that's bullshit. If I answer wrong, then that leads to my demise. Well, then so be it. But I'm going to be pretty pissed off if I die and this is all life had to offer. Me too. That's why I called. But I mean, I could call back again if you promise to patch me through, because you really don't sound well. Are you okay? Is... Is that your question? No, my question is this. Well, I guess I should provide a little context. You see, I got married too young. I was in my early 20s and I thought I was in love, but looking back, it was more of an act of self-preservation. I had to get out of my house at the time. My father was a raging alcoholic who used to lock himself in the bathroom to drink, and we didn't have all that much money, so it was a small place, and we only had one bathroom. I was worried my kidneys were going to get damaged from having to hold my pee in so much all the time. My mother used to go and prop up a step stool and relieve herself in the slop sink in the basement, but I didn't think it was very ladylike. I was always more dignified than mother. So I got married, and I married the wrong man. You see, he was an alcoholic, too. I guess I felt comfortable, and I'm not saying alcoholics are bad people. He was a nice man, but when he drank, he'd just cry all the time. He was always weeping about current events and listening to historical podcasts about things that happened before his time. It was like the only way he could get himself to feel was by thinking of the suffering of others, but he would ignore the suffering that he was inflicting upon me. He used to talk about the USS Indianapolis incessantly. He'd wail about the poor boys in the water and how they were so thirsty and how they'd drink the salt water and begin foaming and vomiting and hallucinating. And the sharks! So that marriage lasted until I was 30, and I saved up enough to pay for a divorce attorney. What a weird job that must be, dealing with such unsavory characters who are often hell-bent on destroying one another. I wonder how many attorneys get caught in the crossfire between couples. So anyway, I was free and on my own again, which is why I met Wally. At 30 years old, I felt I had finally found love and met the man of my dreams. It turns out, history has a way of repeating itself. And people have their patterns. The McRib came back. It was out of season when we met. So now here I am. Living in an empty house again, while my husband spends all of his time tracking down this sandwich, and I'm neglected. No man has ever been able to meet my needs. And I want to know if he's going to come back to me. I want to know if my marriage can survive this. 
Or is the McRib going to be the death of us? Rather than answer the question, Allison pressed Peggy further on her husband's eating habits. It was like she was stalling for time. Her usual combativeness and scorn for other humans seemed to evaporate in the presence of Peggy. Then she told Peggy, rather than coming up with a solution, she wanted her to come in the next day to co-host the show with her. Peggy enthusiastically agreed. Later that night, Allison wrote this in her journal, which became public information at her trial sometime after these events unfolded. I keep receiving phone calls in which I just hear breathing, and I thought I saw a shadow hiding behind a tree in my yard earlier, but I realize now now it must just be visions of Peggy. I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. Ever since she's entered my life, I can no longer see straight. I must win Peggy's love. She can't kill me if she loves me. My head has been quiet all day. I can no longer feel the black hole. It's because it is her and I've crossed the event horizon and I'm now staring at the singularity. I don't want my powers back. I just want her. And I think the only way I can have her is to kill her husband. He must die for me to survive. It was precisely at this point in time, one of the Nobel laureates hired someone via Instagram. I fucking hate Instagram and sent my life into the tailspin that resulted in me encountering my vocal doppelganger, a wonderful podcaster named Infallible Fred. While I was going through the events that were chronicled in the last episode, it occurred to me that Allison was sort of like the embodiment of what Instagram is. Although she failed in her efforts, the motives were the same as all of the prominent influencers. A person on a mission to tell other people what to do. Instagram, after all, is the bastion for wannabe cult leaders and snake oil salesmen, offering wonderful words of wisdom like life is too short to be on happy. If you aren't making passive income in your 20s, you're doing something wrong. Presenting the attitude of, I don't care what other people think, but like my photos and pay me for being me. It was at this point I said, fuck this shit. I just want to make postcards and old-fashioned prints. I don't want to be bothered with anything digital anymore. So I got on the bus to go to the post office to inquire about the production of postcards and the middle-aged man at the counter told me I was a fucking idiot if I thought the USPS had anything to do with postcard production. Feeling lost and dejected, I got on the bus to go home. An old man sat down next to me and began crying, which startled me. But suddenly... The curious 
podcasting portion of my brain kicked back in, so I took out my recorder and began asking him questions. <laughs> Sir, are you okay? I'm not fucking crying! I didn't say you were. Who the fuck you calling crying? Well, you have tears running down your cheeks and you're whimpering, so... Okay! So what? Make you cry in a fucking bus? And the fact that we're on a bus enough to make you cry? You have a point there, you do. God! Damn! It's fucking embarrassing. But why am I surprised? Life is nothing but despair and disappointment. Yeah, I hear that. I just really wanted to make postcards, but I just got shit on. Anyway, is there anything I can do to help? In a way, you already have. Oh yeah? How's that? You didn't recognize me. You didn't call me by a name that some asshole made up. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what your name is. See, that's just it. No one does. No one knows my name. That's half the problem. Everyone who knew my name is dead. Everyone only knows me by Baby Kerepo. What was that? Come again, please? Baby Kerepo. What the fuck is that? That's the role that catapulted me to fame at nine months old and doomed me. For the last 89 years. Baby Carapo, it turned out, was the first dastardly baby on the move getting into hijinks, much to the chagrin of Onlooker's movie ever made. It was a hit in the 1930s and became very popular with baby boomers as a Saturday afternoon matinee movie in the 1960s. I played three roles my entire life. Baby Montgomery... Baby Victor Chernayev, Prince of the Caucasus, and Baby fucking Karepal. Two serious roles that required real acting chops. And Baby fucking Karepal. That's my legacy. That's what I have to look back on. How do baby roles require acting chops? What are you fucking stupid? Why does everybody keep asking me that? Tune in next time to hear the story of Baby Carapo, a baby that did all its own stunts. Oh, and if you're wondering what happened to Allison Updike and Peggy Mayweather, a lot of people died and the McRib became even more regionally selective. Then there was the incident at the trial where the judge spontaneously combusted, which Allison, well... You'll just have to listen to Kaleidoscope Conglomeration if you want to know the rest. <laughs> 
thank you for listening to this installment of Motley Medleys. I am actually attempting to make postcards, so check out Palatable Pete's Prince Etsy shop. Links are in the at Motley Medleys Instagram bio. And please give our friends at Two Indie Authors Podcast a listen. Check out their Instagram. Find their show. Listen to it. Support your local artists before we're all replaced by artificial intelligence and life ends up like the Joni Mitchell song and you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I'm Palatable Pete and this was certainly a Motley Medley. (laughs) 